Shalom and welcome to another teaching of Kingdom 101. My name is Hanson and I'm from Archippus Awakening. We are a ministry that's dedicated to the awakening of saints that we may know and fulfill our God-given kingdom assignments. We are known by just three words, very simply, to be awakened, aligned and assigned. And this is where Kingdom 101 comes in. We want to revisit the fundamentals, the basics of the kingdom. And our threefold objective is so simple and straightforward. We want to know the King, Jesus. We want to embrace the perspectives of His kingdom so that we can know, receive and move on our kingdom assignments. Well, we've been traveling through the Gospel of Matthew for quite a while. And today, our passage is from Matthew chapter 16. Allow me to read the passage to you, Matthew chapter 16, verses 1 to 4. We will pray and get into our teaching very, very quickly. Matthew chapter 16, verses 1 to 4. Then the Pharisees and Sadducees came, and testing him, asked that he would show them a sign from heaven. He answered and said to them, When it is evening, you say, It will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and threatening. Hypocrites, you know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. A wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign shall be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. And he left them and departed. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for a chance to study Scripture. But Lord, I pray that in Scripture, Jesus will be revealed. And for that, we need you and your Holy Spirit to teach us. Be with me and everyone tuning in so that we can learn and we can obey and move on our assignments with the right foundations. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Today's title is called Red Alert. Now, why Red Alert? Maybe after hearing the passage, you have a clue and a hint because the word red and the color red is mentioned. But red alert, it's a warning. It's a final stage of an alert in which we recognize an enemy or the attack from the enemy appears imminent. It is a state of alert because there's impending danger that's coming, that's coming very, very soon. And the color red is used because it's like a getting our attention is bright red. The lights may be flashing, the alarms may be sounding, and it's all ringing bells. Red alert, red alert. Well, we have got some local examples in Singapore. You know, presently this year, our country is experiencing one of the worst dengue outbreaks. If you move through the different estates in Singapore, uh, they will have these banners or posters uh, put up, whether it is a green or a yellow or a red alert. Now, you don't want to be in the places where it's a red alert. It just means that the number of cases extremely high. Or presently, in our COVID-19 situation, the Singapore measurement of the system or the state of affairs would be DOSCON, and that stands for the Disease Outbreak Response System Condition, DOSCON. Well, it started with yellow, and presently we're in orange. But what's the next stage? That's red, and nobody wants to get to red because it just means that it is dangerous, it is a lot more serious. And that's red alert. It's a warning system. It's a alarm bells. It's like a little wake-up call. Stand by because there is danger that's coming, and it's really, really very close. Well, our passage contains a few red alerts too. And it's more than just red skies, as we shall see. I'm going to go through four red alerts, and these are seen from different points of view and different perspectives. And after that, I will share with you some implications so that we too ourselves can respond to the red alerts of our day. But first, let's always set the context. You see, in our past teaching, we've been going through Matthew chapter 15. And we know that Jesus took some time out from the primary assignment within Israel to the people of Israel. And he gets out, he wants to rest with his disciples, but he ends up ministering 
to his secondary assignment, i.e. the Gentiles in the regions surrounding the main place of Israel. Jesus meets a Syrophoenician woman, and after that he teaches and he heals the multitudes. And of course, it ends with the feeding of a 4,000. And the Gentiles, the fringe guys, they welcomed this fringe guy in Jesus because he was there to proclaim the things of the kingdom, him being the king of this kingdom. And now we are in Matthew chapter 16, and it records in Matthew 15, 39, that last verse, that he leaves that Gentile territory. He comes back into Jewish lands, to the region of Magdala. And who does he find down there waiting for him? We see that the Pharisees and the Sadducees were waiting to welcome him. And not necessarily a very warm welcome. Talk about a homecoming to these groups of people. The Pharisees and the Sadducees. And that brings us to the first red alert. Well, from the point of view of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Because to them, it was like, we're waiting for you. And they see Jesus coming. And to them, it's a red alert. Because for them, Jesus was like someone who is opposing them. And we've seen confrontation after confrontation. And it, it is increasing even as Jesus moves towards his final mission down in Jerusalem. But here, these two groups of people, they were waiting for Jesus. And it's like, here he comes. Here he comes. You know, red alert. Here he comes. Now, now for us to understand why they were so against him, let's learn a little bit about the Pharisees and the Sadducees by looking at the similarities first. And let me list a few differences for you. You see, the, these two groups, they were the ruling class of the Jews in those days, and they held some political power. They were also religious sects. One was the Pharisee, the other the Sadducee, uh, within this larger framework of Judaism. Well, both of them, they honored Moses and the law. Well, as far as similarities go, that's all we can really see of these two groups. But the differences, now, they will have a lot more differences between them. Um, the Pharisees, they were very strict in holding on to God's law because to them, after the exile, they realized we broke God's law and that's why he judged, uh, he judged us and sent us out of the land. So when we come back in, man, we've got to keep God's law. Now, for the Sadducees, they agreed to, keep, uh, to the keeping of God's law, but they were more supportive of the prevailing rulers for political and economic benefits of those days. So because of that, they were friendlier with Rome, and they were a little bit more accommodating where Roman laws were concerned. So can you see? Already, there's a little difference there. For the Pharisees, they um, added on oral tradition, and they gave it almost equal weightage. And we've done a study on these that, that Jesus told them, come on, it's not just equal. You are putting this above even God's word right now. But for them, oral tradition was very important. But yet for the Sadducees, to them, the law is just the law. We will interpret this literally. And if it's not in the law, then it doesn't count. It's man-made. It's not from God. So Pharisees, Sadducees, they deferred where the law was concerned and also the additional interpretation of what it means. Now, one key difference, and very stark, is that the Pharisees believed in the resurrection of the dead. But the Sadducees, they didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead at all, and we will encounter them in a later section of Matthew. The Pharisees then believed in afterlife because of the resurrection, and there's heaven, there's hell, and which means the way you live now, there would be later on a reward or a punishment. But for the Sadducees, since there's no afterlife, I don't believe in this, when we die, we just die. It just ends right there. Pharisees believe in a coming Messiah, and they were looking for this Messiah to bring peace and deliverance. But the Sadducees, no, they were not looking for this Messiah. Um, to them, God's given the law. We've got free will. Let's just live as we would according to his law and reap the corresponding uh, consequences, which means peace is largely dependent on how we live and how we coexist with the powers that be. 
For the Pharisees, um, they believed in the supernatural. There would be angels and demons. Sadducees, no, I don't believe in this. Not, none of the unseen, none of the spiritual world. Um, so everything we are able to control and we live as we are today. Now, in terms of social economic classes, the Pharisees were more the, the middle class. And so the masses related to them a little bit more. They were representative of the working class and uh, they represented the larger populace of um, Israel. But the Sadducees, they were the elites, the aristocrats. In fact, they would be the wealthier people, more political and definitely a lot more influence. The Pharisees as leaders, they will be called rabbis and they were the ones teaching and guiding the people. But for the leaders of the Sadducees, because of their aristocratic um, uh, pedigree as elite people, they would occupy the, the higher positions as the chief priests, the high priests. They were the priestly class. Because the Sadducees just means that they were descendants from that priestly line of Zadok. So they have a certain place in society and also the temple. And so understandably, their power centered around the main temple in Jerusalem, whereas for the Pharisees, they had more influence on the ground where the synagogues were. Now, Pharisees, as you understand, their name actually comes and means um, people who are separated, the set-apart ones. So they protected Jewish identity more strongly and they resisted Hellenization, which means um, the, when, when the Greeks conquered the land before the Romans, they wanted to convert everyone to speak Greek, but for them and, uh, and also to learn the culture of the Greeks and then later on the Romans. But for these uh, Pharisees, they would say, no, 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 we've got to protect our Jewish identity. And I think we've gone through this, if you remember, um, the Sabbath, circumcision, keeping of the law. Um, we, we cannot have, we cannot taint it. Huh? We are people who are set apart. But for the Sadducees, no big problem. You know, let's be a little bit more relevant. Let's move with the times. Um, the world is changing. Uh, Greeks, then Romans, things are opening up. Um, let's, let's just go with the flow. So they also deferred where that's concerned. Now, after the temple was destroyed in 70 AD, uh, the Sadducees as a sect, it, it stopped, it ceased, uh, it, it ceased after that time. But for the Pharisees, their legacy continued. In fact, after that, a group of them compiled the Mishnah, and those are written documents, and even up to today, that's being referred to, and they laid the groundwork for present-day Judaism. So can you see, although they were part of the ruling class, and they formed um, the whole Sanhedrin, right, the council where they set the tone of Judaism for that day, uh, they were very different in their beliefs, in their doctrines, and in the way that they would live. Now, Paul, as a Pharisee, and later um, having met Jesus on the road to Damascus, when he was put on trial facing this whole council, he used this knowledge of the differences between them um, to their advantage. And so he declared this, right, in Acts chapter 23, verse 6. Uh, My brothers, I'm a Pharisee, and I descended from the Pharisees, and I stand on trial because of the hope of the resurrection of the dead. Now, the moment he said that, this one line, the Pharisees, of course, would uh, agree with him with the resurrection, but the Sadducees would say, no, there's no such thing as that. And immediately, they started to argue with one another, and Paul was, sa was saved by the Roman soldiers because of this fighting, this infighting between them. Uh, and he, he would have been hurt because of that kind of a squabble and that discourse over there. So he knew how to play one against the other. So they had more differences than they were similar and they sort of coexisted for the sake of Israel. But they, they were not really getting along with one another. But suddenly, here comes Jesus. And for both of them, it was like a ding-ding red alert, you know. Here comes Jesus, common enemy. You know, why, why was Jesus a common enemy? For the Pharisees, Jesus challenged their tradition, right? Jesus even revealed their hypocrisy. They say, you, you put all these things on the people. You yourself, you can't even keep them. You guys are hypocrites. Huh. Not really politically correct where they are concerned. And so they were not uh, happy with Jesus. 
Now, the Sadducees, uh, they didn't really care too much about that. But Jesus started to talk about the kingdom. And he's saying, look, I'm, I'm, I'm this king that's coming. I'm the Messiah. And even they said, well, he says, well, hang on, Ed, don't, don't declare this too loudly yet because it's not time. But all this kingdom talk would have caused problems for the Sadducees. And they were like, hey, please, you know, I don't hear this kingdom too much. You know why? Because we are reporting to Rome now. Now, remember at the trial of Jesus, when Rome, the governor, Pilate, asked them to say, look, this guy says he's your king. What did they declare? No way! We have no king but Caesar, okay? So they didn't want to recognize Jesus at all as the Messiah and as king. So Jesus, can you please don't rock the boat? I think you are getting too loud, getting too popular. It is threatening us. So for their own reasons, Jesus became an enemy to them separately and also collectively. It was a threat to the status quo. And it was a a threat that was huge enough for the both of them to say, I think we, we should join, you know, we should join hands. Okay, we should gang up against this Jesus. Ding, ding, red alert, Jesus coming. Let's confront this enemy, work together, and let's shut him up and take him down. And so the first red alert would have been from the perspective of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Now, red alert number two. Jesus looks at the two of them, or the two groups, and as they come, they test him. That's what the scripture tells us. And they asked him, can you show us a sign from heaven? Now, Jesus was really sharp, as we understand, right? He knows this, because both of them must have already ganged up together and said, this is what we will ask of him. They shoot him a question and they throw him a ball. In fact, it was a curved ball. And this curved ball was a diabolical ball, to be more precise. Now, how do we know this? The scripture tells us they were trying to test him. Now, this word test is the Greek perazzo. And we find this exact same word that was used when Satan, the devil himself, tested, more accurately, tempted Jesus in the wilderness. Now, if you go back to one of our teachings then, and I've shared this over and over again, the word test or tempt from this perazzo, it is not to test to prove something that is good. It is to test with an intention that is negative to show up the flaws, to show up the problems, to disprove with the intent to say it's not good enough, we want to reject it. Now, this is different from the word dokimazo, which is to test, in other words, to prove its quality, to build this up, to make sure that we will pass this test. The Pharisees and the Sadducees didn't want Jesus to pass at all. They wanted to pull him down, right? Because to them, red alert, enemy coming. We better shoot this guy down. And so they throw Jesus a curved ball. Jesus knew it immediately. He saw this curved ball coming and he intercepts this curved ball immediately. Now look at the context. We've been studying Matthew. Do you know all through... Jesus has been performing sign after sign after sign. You have miracles, you have deliverance. You mean this is not enough? You mean you're not convinced at all sign after sign? But notice something down here. These guys did not say, I want you to perform another sign for us. It's not a sign from you. Now, they asked that in Matthew chapter 12, verse 38. Come on, Jesus, show us a sign from you. Now, they already got whacked down because they asked for a sign. And Jesus says, no, I'm not going to give you any more signs. I've got so many more, I'm just not going to perform just because you asked me to do something for you. So this time, they're smart. They said, let's not ask for a sign from him. Show us a sign from heaven. There you go. I want a sign from heaven. If you say you are from God, if you say you are divine, son of, son of God, you are the Messiah that is to come. Now, show us a sign from heaven. 
And so it's very different, right? They changed their tact a little bit, they shifted a little bit. Now what is this sign from heaven? Now this is the sign in the sky. Um, thunder. Maybe if Jesus would just snap his fingers and thunder would be there and then lightning will follow and rain would come and hailstorm immediately right there and then, they would say, huh, okay, then we will believe. You see, to them, if it is from God, then you've got to show us an evidence and a revelation of God just like in the Old Testament. And if you remember Moses at Mount Sinai, there was thunder, there was lightning, and then if it's not just the law, but also the prophets, Elijah. We speak of, uh, he stops rain, and then he commands rain to come, and rain came. Now, if you are really someone that's sent from God, show this to us. But either way, we know the hearts of these guys. They were not interested. They, they were not really sincere. Look, in the first place, they're not even open. They're just asking Jesus to perform at their command and at their demands. If you remember in Matthew chapter 2, I believe both of these groups, the, the leaders, right? They were there in Matthew chapter 2. The wise men, the magi who travel for so far, that whole distance, and they come and they meet with Herod, and they say, where is he? That The king of the Jews, it says that he will be born in this place. We've followed his star. There's a sign in the sky that we have followed. Now, Herod calls the leaders and he says, hey guys, can you check up your concordance? You know, look up your software and tell me, is it true or not? These were the same people who referred to scriptures and prophecy and told Herod, say, hey, I think so, you know, you better ask them to look, you know, and so that when they come back and they can tell you, then you can then do what you need to do. <laughs> Herod, you get it? Now, they went through scripture and prophecy, but they were not interested. They were not interested at all. After that, they went back to the same old, same old. And Jesus saw right through their intentions. Now, I know Jesus knew exactly what was in their hearts, not just because he's got that discernment, but it was very telling in a parallel passage that records the same thing in Mark chapter 8, verses 11 and 12. When they asked Jesus for a sign, this is what the scripture says, Jesus sighed, deeply in his spirit. I can't just imagine it was like, oh man. <laughs> and in our days today, it will be hashtag roll eyes. It's like, hello, duh. I mean, come on guys. <laughs> Give me a break. You know, you don't want to know. You're not even interested. Why are you asking for this? And so Jesus knew the red alert was coming and the ball was a curved one. It was to trap him, it was to test him, it was to pull him down. And our King and our Messiah and our Lord, he was so sharp. You ever talk about signs in the skies? Well, let me tell you what you should be really looking at. And so in verse 2, he answers them and he says to them, When it is evening, you say, it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and threatening. Now, if you know how to look at the skies, if you look at the weather, if it's red in the evening, you say, okay, no problem, you know. Uh, this red is an okay red, so we don't have to ring the bells. It's going to be cool. It's going to be a nice, nice evening. It's going to be cool. But if it's in the morning, wow. It's going to be foul weather. It's going to be threatening. You will know how to conduct yourself. You will know how to make the necessary preparations. There will be a red alert. The sky is threatening and it's imminent. It's coming really soon. In fact, Jesus was not trying to um, give them anything new. He was quoting and referring to a very ancient weather forecast system. In fact, after that, it became a rhyme that still runs on even through present day. And that rhyme sounds like this. Red sky at morning, sailors take warning. Red sky at night, sailors delight. See, even for the seafarers, they understood, or the farmers even, they would know how to read these signs in the skies. 
And then he looks at them and he says, you hypocrites. You know how to discern the face of the skies, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. I, I love Jesus because he's so direct. Today, you know, he'll be so ungracious, right? How can you call people by these names? But this is not the first time and this will not be the last time. You hypocrites. In other words, you are like actors. You are acting. Even you come before me asking for the signs of the skies, you are acting. Can you stop acting? <laughs> I'll add one more word. Don't act blur. Uh, you know. You understand what is happening around you. You don't need to be asking me for these signs. In fact, you already have the signs and you know how to read them. But I tell you your problem. You're not seeing the correct signs. If you know how to apply the spirit of discernment to the right signs, if you know how to look at the right weather, if you know how to apply it to the right climate, you'll be okay. You will be fine. You won't be looking to me to tell you the signs because it's all around you. Your eyes are fixed on the wrong radar. You're looking at the wrong enemy. You're sounding a wrong red alert for the wrong things. If you really understand the spiritual climate, if you understand the spiritual weather, you will know how to respond correctly. But you are looking at the wrong things. And so here comes red alert number three. What is this? Jesus tells them immediately. A wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign. That's Jesus now telling them, you want to look at the real problem? You want to see the imminent danger that is all around you? This is it. Look at the wickedness. Look at the adulterous generation that you are in. Now, this is Old Testament language. The Sadducees, the Pharisees would have recognized this phrase. They wouldn't have been very happy that it's applied to them, but they would have recognized this because they don't want to live like that. They, they were putting in rules and regulations so that they will not be like this, and they actually missed the entire fact that the entire generation was living in that way. And that's why Jesus sounded the bells to them to say, will you wake up? There's a red alert all around you, but you're not seeing it. The Old Testament phrase, a wicked and adulterous generation, would refer to idolatry and also the fertility worship that was rampant in those days. You wicked people speaks about people who were unfaithful to the things of God. They were disobedient to the ways of God. In fact, they would tell themselves, I would run according to the dictates of my own heart. I come first, as long as I'm okay, as long as I'm happy, and I run through um, the desires of my own heart, I'm fine. I don't care too much about God. You adulterous people speaks of spiritual adultery. And they were worshipping idols, they were worshipping mammon, money. And with all of these, idolatry would be very closely linked to sexual immorality. These two always go together. Even in the New Testament today, Paul and the apostles always warn of idolatry and sexual immorality. And don't miss that relationship between these two. Now, the Jewish people also understood that a sinful generation would precede the coming of God's kingdom, the breaking through of the kingdom of God, the day of the Lord. And that's what it will culminate in because God is righteous, He's just, He will come with salvation and righteousness has to come with salvation also. Now, these were leaders of those days and yet they were oblivious to all these things. And that's why the Lord Jesus kept looking at them to say, ding, ding, red alert, red alert, I'm not your enemy. In fact, I'm coming in to tell you what is correct. You are leaders and you should know, you should be preparing your people. But what's the issue? 
Both groups were too self-absorbed with themselves. It was all about the institution, the religion, the politics, the power, the personal gain. They knew how to tell the people how to live, but they were doing it for their own advancement, for their own greed. And that is why Jesus called them out and said, You hypocrites! Look at the red alert. I'm, sound, I'm sounding the alarm. I'm sounding the bells. Warning. It's going to be foul weather. Do you understand this? If you look at the weather, and the weather is going to be foul, there's torrential rain, the storms are coming, you know how to prepare. But if you know how to discern the signs of the times, would you prepare? They're all over the place. How can you miss it? How can you ask me, to show it to you once more. Wait a minute. But you see, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they were, they were not interested. To the Pharisees, I, I'm okay. Hey, I'm very righteous, you know. I'm helping you. I'm putting in all these fencing for you so that you don't break the law. How can you tell me I'm not righteous? And because I'm righteous, there'll be no judgment after this. So I'm fine. In fact, you are the problem. You see, you are the problem. You don't want to listen to us. You didn't wash your hands. Uh, you didn't follow the tradition of the fathers. To the Sadducees, no, I'm, I'm, I'm good. There's no afterlife, so there's no judgment. So let's live now. Let's do the best we can. And I think God understands, right? You know, after all, um, we are children of God. We are descendants of Zadok, which means those who are righteous. So I, I'm, I'm cool. Don't tell me about all this. Jesus, you are the problem. And that's why we are coming after you. And here comes now red alert number four. Jesus goes on, he says, A wicked and an adulterous generation seeks after a sign. And no sign shall be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. And then he left them and he departed. What a statement. And what he was saying is this, you want a sign? I'll tell you this sign. You don't miss this one. You can miss every other sign, but there's one huge sign that is up and coming, and when it comes, don't miss this. I'm telling you, it's a red alert. If you miss this, you miss everything. Now, what's this sign of the prophet Jonah? And again, this is not the first time he's declared this. They have heard this before. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 40, he declares the same thing to them, and then he explains. Jonah was three days, three nights in the belly of the great fish, and so will the Son of Man, three days, three nights in the heart of the earth. Now, we've done this teaching already in session number 90 in the title, Sign Here. Now, this is the sign that you should be looking out for. What does this refer to? This is talking about the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Son of Man, of Jesus. Now, to the leaders, they wouldn't understand this. They, they're like, what are you talking about? I mean, I know about Jonah. I'll go and study about this prophet in the Old Testament. But what are you really talking about? So we can't really blame them if they don't understand that at, at, at a point in time. But, the, but Jesus is really saying to them, hey, I'm giving you a hit. Okay, you want a sign? That's the biggie. That's the main thing. Don't miss my death. Don't miss my burial. And most of all, don't miss my resurrection. Jesus was talking about the power of the cross and the power of his resurrection. And when it happens, the Pharisees would have like, was this what he was talking about? Oh, so this is it. Red alert, alarm bells would have gone on. But for the Pharisees, would they have believed it? They would have seen the, the death and the burial, but they, if they don't believe in the resurrection, will they miss this entire sign? And Jesus tells them, red alert. This is the important one. It's not the way you try to keep your law to be righteous, right? It's not um, your, your heritage being Sadducees and of a priestly line and inheriting the things of the temple because that temple is going to go. You pull this temple down, I'll raise it up in three days. But will you believe in this resurrection and the raising up of this body? Because if you still say there's no resurrection, you will miss this sign big time. And salvation is only possible and available if you believe in my death, in the burial, and in three days, my resurrection. You can miss every sign, my friends. 
But don't miss this one because this is the only sign that will save. Red alert! Red alert! Are you hearing? Are you seeing this or not? Dear Pharisees and dear Sadducees. Wow! I mean, look at the confrontation. They see Jesus coming. They throw a curveball. Jesus reads it, intercepts it, and, and, and retaliates in that way with such wisdom and such perception, telling them, you're looking at the wrong place. You're looking at the wrong things. Look at what's happening all around you. Don't miss that big sign. Four red alerts from different points of view and different perspectives. But what does it mean for us today? You know, sometimes it's easy to look back and say, oh, no, but I believe. I believe in Jesus, right? In His death, His burial, and His resurrection. Oh, thank God I'm not like the Pharisees or the Sadducees. But let's bring it, bring it to the present. Do you know there are lessons still that we can learn from it? And the key phrase is this. You know how to discern the phase of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. This is still so real for us today. Do you know that we live today in an age of information, knowledge, scientific and technological advancement, new discoveries every day, quantum physics, nanotech, infotech, medical and whatever tech, with satellites all over the place, space programs, exploration even into realms that we may not understand. And it's quite scary when we read about these things. Should we even go that far? But because of these advancements, our weather forecasting today is so sharp. We can tell and look at the signs of the skies even before it happens. Cyclones, hurricanes, typhoons. We know exactly when it's going to happen, where it's going to happen, the path it's going to take, how strong it would be. And then we send out alerts, red alerts, tsunami alerts, and we tell people how to prepare. We are even able to track solar and lunar eclipses. And it's not just... Tomorrow it's coming. No, we can tell you when the next one is so many years ahead to tell you that the next one will be another 50 years or another 80 years and we won't even live to be able to see it. We can even tell people, now if you are in this place, you have a better chance of seeing it because it will pass this, it will go by this route in this track. We're tracking meteorites now, meteorite showers. We're looking at new planets, signs in the skies and in the heavens. Friends, we can predict, we can discern, we can look at the signs in the skies. But do you know something? We are still missing the signs of the times. Red alert, guys. Red alert, guys. If we can apply our knowledge, if we can apply all these things to the signs of the times, perhaps we will be better prepared for the coming of the Lord. Now, is it still true that Jesus would declare in our time that we are still a wicked and an adulterous generation? I think so. Let's look at the world. Not believers first, okay? Just look at the world that's happening around all, around all around us. There's this humanistic belief today that mankind, we are the ones who have the power to save ourselves. Why? Because we think we're so clever. We are so smart, right? For all the developments and all the advances, we think we can save the world. And that's why we're trying to produce this, produce that. We're using the satellites to be able to track. We can solve this. We can beat COVID-19. We can put in the vaccines in place and we can save this. But at the same time, the experts also tell us um, it's not a silver bullet. Even if that happens, something else might come up. And the other people will say, no problem. No, we can do this if we will cooperate together because we have the power within us. And we take things into our own hands. 
But it's not only that. Our morality is now very relative. You live the way you want and I will live the way I want. We live in a time of post-truth where we say there's no such thing as absolute truth. It's up to you, it's up to me, and truth is no longer relevant. Why? Because it's about freedom, you see? You need to be free and you have your rights and I have mine and I won't disturb you you shouldn't disturb me also. Let's tolerate one another. And you go a little bit further. Well, really, all religions are the same. They all teach you good, right? We just have to do nice things and good things. So why don't we just hold hands, help one another, and you see once more, mankind will save ourselves. And we understand that this is idolatrous, and with idolatry comes sexual immorality. That is why we have gender fluidity at this point in time and sexual confusion. And it's no longer man and woman, it's anything and everything else in between. And sexual immorality actually is the conversation, the dialogue even for today, where it is being condoned in so many different places. Now, if you will bring this up and if you will say, red alert, red alert, hello guys, you know, we are coming to tell you this is all not correct they will look at us and they will say, red alert, Christians, you are the bigots. You are the intolerant one. You are the enemy. From the perspective of these people, we are the problem. But what about the Christians, the believers? Do you think we're all okay as kingdom people? Friends, I think we also need to sound a red alert in our times and in our communities. Are we any different from the world today? In James chapter 4, verse 4, he declares to the church, even he scolds them with these same words, you adulterers and adulteresses. Same words as Jesus. Because he says, you cannot be friends with the world. You cannot have one leg in the kingdom of God and try to live one leg in the kingdom of this world. If you are friends with the things of this world, then you make yourself an enemy of God. Now, this is very, very scary because when Jesus saves us, He brings us to be at peace with God. Now, why would we as kingdom people want to be friends with the world that we become enemies of God again? The Apostle John in 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 to 17, don't love the things of the world because if you love the world, then you don't have the love of the Father. Now, are we any different then from the, th from the people of the world? Sometimes we look at Christians and we look at the, the, the lives of supposed kingdom people and the phrase is very correct. The world has come into the church and as Christians, as kingdom people, we are living the ways of the world. Paul warns in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 to 5, in the last days, it's going to be perilous times. Why? Because men will be lovers of themselves. They'll be lovers of money. They'll be boasters. They'll be proud, blasphemous. And he lists so many of these traits where we can recognize and we see this in many, many people within the kingdom of God. They are lovers of pleasure more than they are lovers of God. And it is crazy and scary because on one hand, we say we love God, but on the other hand, we make decisions based on our comfort and our pleasure. And Paul says, red alert, red alert. These guys have a form of godliness, but they deny its power. Red alert, warning. Keep away from people like that. Jesus himself, Matthew chapter 24, speaks about the signs of the times that will indicate the coming of the Lord. They were in these last days, deception that's happening, false prophets, apostles, teachers, rumors of war happening all over the place, famines, pestilences, earthquakes, persecutions. Do we see all these things happening? Well, we will say yes. Can we discern it? I hope so. But often in conversations with believers, they're very clueless. We'd rather have our head in the sand like the ostrich to say, I, I don't want to know. I, I don't want to know. Huh? I need to make money today. I, I don't want to know, okay? I want to make sure that I have a retirement plan. I don't want to know, okay? I'm praying for my exam and my next house and my next car. Red alert! <laughs> Red alert! 
There's a warning today that believers have to live right. There's a warning that has to go out for us to, to wake up, to get aligned with the Lord so that we can move on the assignments of the kingdom. However, let me warn you, if you want to bring this red alert like Jesus, then to the liberal Christians, if you want to be a kingdom person like Jesus, oh, you are very, very ungracious. Oh, too, too drama. Huh? Too, too serious. To the legalistic Christians, you are too gracious, cannot, too easy. Huh? You, you, you cannot, you know, everything is uh, on the grace of God type. And they will be asking you, are you sure this is the kingdom or not? Can you show me? Can you explain what the kingdom is to me? But you're really not very interested to know Jesus and the things of the kingdom. You see, whether you are a believer or whether you are not a believer, living in the things of the world or trying to be a person of the kingdom, don't miss the most important sign. This is the red alert that we must always take note of. And we have to hold it importantly in front of us so that we can remember we need the cross of Jesus Christ. And we need to live in the power of His resurrection. If you're not a believer, and you're not saved, and I'm telling you that after this will come a judgment when the King of Kings comes, only one thing will save you. Your faith in the work of Jesus upon the cross is sacrificed for you, and He did not stay dead. He rose again on the third day. If you believe in Him, you will rise with Him. Righteousness given to you, and Holy Spirit enabling you to live a righteous life for Him. This is what will save you. This red alert is for you. Believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But if you are a believer, I know you have already believed it, but have you appropriated the death of Jesus, His burial, as well as His resurrection? Do you know so many believers live in defeat, in powerless lives because they declare the cross but they don't understand the power of the cross. And they're still trying to be restored that they don't understand that once I believe in the death of Jesus, I myself died with Christ and I buried with Him and as Jesus has been raised again, I am also raised a new life for Him. The old has gone, the new has come. I have died. It's no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. And today, sin has no power over me. Do you understand this? And do you appropriate this? If not, here's a red alert for you. Don't live defeated lives anymore. Don't live a legalistic, self-righteous life. Don't live as if, you know, sin still has a hold on you. Christ has set you free. And if you feel that you are still not there, you still don't know what it's all about, can I say this? This is a warning to you. This is a red alert to you. Get out of religion and live in that freedom of a relationship with Jesus in the power of His cross and with the power of His resurrection. See, this is the one sign that we cannot miss. And it's not only for pre-believers, it's also for us. And this is why Paul worded it this way. He said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, the Jews are always seeking for a sign. The Greeks are always looking out for wisdom, right? I'm a thinker, I've got to understand how it works. But God goes beyond all these things and He says, look, I'm not going to give you any more signs. The only sign is Jesus who is crucified. And to the Jews, it's like, huh? You mean my king comes, dies, and saves me? I cannot understand this. To them, it's a stumbling block. And that's why the Pharisees and the Sadducees who were Jews cannot understand this. But to the Greeks, they're looking for wisdom, and to them, this is foolishness. What? Are you talking about someone who has to die on the cross? What a weak God. I mean, not like me. Uh, I understand a Greek God in the power who comes and He saves us with power. But God's wisdom is foolishness to the people of the world who today hold on to a worldly wisdom. The world thinks they're very smart. And sometimes we are too smart for our own good. And Paul says, I preach only Christ crucified. So my friends, if you are not a believer, I preach Christ crucified to you. 
believe in Jesus and be saved into his kingdom. But if you are all a believer, I preach Christ crucified to you also. Because the power of the cross and his resurrection is not only for the point of salvation, it's for all of us who are being saved that will take us through by his grace until one day when he comes for us that we shall be saved. And so, red alert, my friends. We live in perilous times, exciting times. Can you discern the signs of the times? And if you can't, I'm doing my part to warn you. I want to be like Jesus. And I know it won't be popular. Some of you will listen to this and think that I'm too harsh. But I want to love you and declare the warning so that you can be saved when Jesus comes again. And I invite you to join me so that we can sound the alarm to so many more that needs to know the good news of Jesus Christ. Don't be like the Pharisees. Don't be like the Sadducees, coming with wrong intentions and wrong motives and wanting to fight against the Messiah who will save them. I hope you will join me at the next session and the next teaching where we will unpack a little bit more the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees because then Jesus warns his disciples. I tell you, huh? Don't get caught up with the wrong doctrines if you are a believer. Live the life of the kingdom. Follow the king. Will you pray with me? Father, I want to thank you for Jesus. I thank you for his courage and his boldness, Lord. I thank you that he's not our enemy when he brings a hard word, but he is our king and our savior. He loves us and that's why he will sound the alarm and the warning for us so that we can respond correctly and spend eternity with him and with you in righteousness in an eternal kingdom. I want to pray for those who are not believers yet. And if you want to put your faith in Jesus Christ, you can do that right now to say, Lord, I believe. And I say to you, the moment you say, Lord, I believe, it is by grace. It's not by what you do or how good you are or by your resources. It's by what Jesus has done. His death, His burial, and His resurrection. This is one sign if you would, if you would see it and respond to it, you will be saved right now in Jesus Christ. And if you are a believer, you want to appropriate the power of the cross and his death and burial as well as his life and resurrection, then you pray to say, Lord, will you help me as I respond to this big sign, the great sign, Lord? Will you release to me every promise that's a yes and amen by faith according to grace that I may live a life that is worthy of the king and his kingdom and to warn others and bring others in as I move on my kingdom assignment. And so I bless you, Lord. I thank you for this message. Let your word go forth and not return to you void. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone say, Amen. Amen. My brothers and sisters, or my friends, if you have prayed this prayer, I hope that you will tell someone, okay? If you're if you a new believer and you have prayed that prayer to believe in Jesus, find a local church in the community and let them know what you have done so that they can help you grow in the right way, not with the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, but with the things of the kingdom. So thanks for joining me at Kingdom 101 once more. And I pray that this has been a blessing and an encouragement to you. And until the next time, this is Hanson from Archipus Awakening saying goodbye to you and God bless you and your family. Amen.